1: Bradshaw that would be your Chickasaw native your Chickasaw Hall of Famer Oklahoma's favorite son Mr. Gerald Briscoe and we got the goat of all goats he may be a goat in a couple different things he may be a goat in more he is a grand slam amateur junior nationals nationals World champion, Olympic champion, 2006 USA Wrestling said he was the greatest shoot wrestler of all time. He's also the <laughs> WWE Hall of Fame, held every title you can have. And first, his first title won from a guy you might have heard of, The Rock, and he carried on that legacy. He has he is one of the greatest of all time in everything, and one of the best guys of all time. And he called Mr. Briscoe a jackass before we got on the show. So I love him dearly. He is Mr. Kurt Angle. Kurt,
0: welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, man. You guys are a lot of fun. I couldn't wait for this episode.
2: <laughs> you, yeah, you couldn't wait so much. You put me off for a month trying to get, on, get him on <laughs> this damn thing. A couple a of years, actually, A, couple, okay. a couple of years. Well, I tried to take up for you, Kurt. See, that's how you are. But you always got to be right, man. So, yeah, it's been, it's been two years we've been trying to get him on this damn show. We finally got him on here. And now, now, you know, he he's he, he, not only is he an Olympic gold medalist in Russia, but he's an Olympic gold medalist in being a father. He's got yeah. to leave this podcast early go pick up his lovely children there. So we're <laughs> going to get everything done and a convince that the about time. If we don't, don't blame John and I, blame that Olympic gold medalist. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's
0: right. you such an asshole. Hey, <laughs> Kurt. Kurt, there I you go again.
2: <laughs> 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 All right, Kurt. Let's get rolling here. How, how in the hell did you become interested in, in amateur wrestling? Begin with well, we know how you became a pro. We know that story. So, amateur wrestling. Your older brother uh, was an amateur wrestler also, and you, you kind of yeah, yeah.
0: You know what? Long story short, my brother Mark. He's the second oldest in our family. My brothers are all great athletes, and they, you know, they they participated in every sport possible. But uh, my brother Mark, he was. Um, When he was in eighth grade, he was actually uh, a a kid in a man's body. He was 195 pounds in eighth grade, and he had the brain of a 13-year-old, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Dangerous man.
1: So does Mr. Briscoe Briscoe right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And listen, he had anger issues, okay? And uh, he got a lot of fights. And uh, his demise was when he beat up two cops, he stole a bike. That'll do. Stole a bike. The cops were chasing him. He got off the bike and and knocked them both out. And then he ended up getting caught and he got arrested. He was a junior. He was a you know he was underage. He was under eighteen. And uh, so they decided to put him in uh, juvenile delinquency center for two years. His ninth grade and tenth grade years he spent in jail. And uh, when he got out. The wrestling coach got a hold of him right when he came to high school. He started. He played varsity football his junior year, and the wrestling coach said, "Hey, I'm going to have you take your aggression out on the wrestle mat. You're not going to be fighting anymore. You're going to wrestle." And he started wrestling. And he fell in love with it. And his first year, he took fifth at the junior national Greco-Roman nationals. Uh, that was his first year wrestling. He actually qualified for states in Pennsylvania, which was which was amazing for a first year wrestler. And so he ended up wrestling his senior year. He won the States there. or No, he didn't win the States. He went to States that year. And then uh, he ended up going to a junior college. And um, what happened at junior colleges, his wife, they were already married. They already had one kid. He ended up having another kid during that time. And uh, he ended up placing second at junior college nationals. And he had to quit school and get a job. So what he did was he focused on us. <laughs> so we, he was no longer the one in the, in the middle of the, of the, the whole thing. He, he decided that he was going to make me and my brother Eric incredible wrestlers. And he did. He, he, he coached us. Um, you know, he supported us. He was really hard on us. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, he, he was a little difficult to deal with at times. But um, the reason why I am where I am is because of my brother Mark. He, uh, he's the one that got me in wrestling. I hated wrestling when I started. <laughs> I was crying all the time. I was losing <laughs> all the time. My brother thought I would never be good. Never, you, I, didn't I, cha-
2: you didn't change much from high school to WWE there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm still a crybaby. You <laughs> see what I got to
1: put up with, Kurt?
0: <laughs> he's such an asshole, Brad. So I don't I'm, know how you do a, a podcast a with friend.
1: him. I'm his only friend.
2: <laughs> That's a like of so Bruce Prichard, my friend, too. <laughs> when, when, when he needs a friend, anyway.
1: <laughs> so so, Kurt, your brother spent ninth and tenth grade in jail. How old was he when he knocked out two cops? Eighth grade.
0: He was eighth <laughs> grader. <laughs> he was he was almost two hundred pounds. Okay, he was a tough son of a bitch. My brother David was the toughest guy in his high school. He was a junior in high school. My brother Mark beat the shit out of him. <laughs> so Mark was legitimately the baddest dude in the whole school district, being in eighth grade, all the way up to, you know, senior C- year. C- he, D3, was, D3, he was D3, the D3, man. Like, did he train Eric, Eric the same one? Uh, Eric, Eric had a lot of anger issues, too, man. He got in a lot of fights, too. Uh, uh, a lot with me, but a lot more with other people. Are
2: I you, know Eric was a badass, man.
0: Yeah, he was, but he wasn't Mark. Mark, <laughs> Mark was another level.
2: Yeah. Oh, well, wow, wow, Kurt. Uh, you know, uh, you mentioned you hated wrestling there, man. I, I remember reading or talking to you uh, about something where you weren't going to do college wrestling. You were going to go to Penn State play football or something like that,
0: wasn't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? What what happened was I think God steered me in another direction because my dream was to go to Penn State and play football. Uh, unfortunately, Penn State didn't recruit me. Um, <laughs> they, they, they thought I was too short, which I might have been, you know, for being a linebacker. Uh, I, was, I was 5'11", uh, but I, I had a great senior year. I was uh, I was an All-American. I was an uh, All-State football. Um, I got offers by different colleges. But what changed my mind from football was – my senior year, I had such a dominating uh, senior year in wrestling, and uh, it opened up my mind to maybe consider wrestling instead of football. And so I decided that I was going to play both in college. And I didn't think I could do it at Division One. I. I saw, I know Doctor Death did it. And, you know, other people were able to do it, but it's really difficult to do both uh, sports in Division One, especially you know your wrestling season is going to only be a month and a half long because your football season goes up till January. And then, you know, you start training then, it's really hard to prepare for nationals, which would be two months later. So um I decided I was going to go to a Division two school and play football and wrestle. And I redshirted my freshman year in football, and I wrestled that year. And I had an incredible year. I had 30 wins as a freshman. I won the EWLs, went to, went to nationals. I was seated in the top seven. I didn't place. But I fell in love with wrestling. And that's when it all began for me. And that's when I decided I wasn't going to play football anymore.
2: Well, I know you and I had a conversation. You were almost, John, and you'll love us. You know, Kurt was almost an Oklahoma State cowboy.
0: Yes, yes. You know what? This is crazy, guys. <laughs> I I took third in state my junior year. Okay? And and Oklahoma State, they were, like, looking at me. And and I never won a state championship. But usually you have to have four state titles to go to Oklahoma. I mean, at least get a scholarship there. And so my senior year, they called me and they said, hey, we're interested in recruiting you. Could you send us a couple of uh of your matches that we can watch? And, and I, I said, yeah, but I said, um, I haven't won a state championship yet. I plan on winning this year. They said it doesn't matter, just send the video. And they said I sent the video when they watched it, they saw something in me and they said, hey, we want to offer you a scholarship. We don't even care if you win state. Just just, you know, let you know, let you can you have a full ride at Oklahoma State and it was really appealing. I was really excited about it. But at that point in time, my love for football was still greater than wrestling. And I felt like uh, I better go to Clary in the Division Two school and, and make it a safer route for me. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, I don't know if I would have enjoyed going to Oklahoma State because oh, it, you it was so... have. It's in Oklahoma.
1: <laughs> it's in Oklahoma. You, know, you know you wouldn't have, Kurt. Anybody who has a car has left Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know
0: what? I, it, for me, it would have been too far from home. I, I'm. I'm. I always wanted my family to attend my wrestling events, and they did in college, and they never missed anything, all the way up to the Olympics. And so you're, I you're, think you're I'm like, right you're, you're like, you're
2: like John, you're a mama's boy too. As I, know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I certainly am. I'm not going to deny that.
2: <laughs> well, then, John, that just showed you the vision and the foresight that Oklahoma State had on taking a chance with Kurt Angle. You know, they saw that future gold medal, Olympic gold medalist at Kurt before anybody you know, else. Did.
0: <laughs> Jerry, you're, you're absolutely right. That's what they saw <laughs> and nobody else did. That's what's incredible about Oklahoma
1: State. And that's why the program's so damn good. But what I'm thinking is, you got a Division two coach at Clarion, then yeah. all of a sudden, this guy who comes in that may be the greatest of all time. He's on his team. Go, Look, I coach Kurt Angle. That guy's made a living the rest of his life off Kurt Angle coming in.
0: <laughs> you know what? He was a good coach, though. He was really good, very disciplined, uh, very old school. He went to Pitt, he was an All American at Pitt, and uh, he decided to stay in Pennsylvania. And he started coaching at Clarion and he had a, listen, he had a a stellar coaching career. Uh, The year before I went there, Clarion was ranked third in the nation in division one. They were undefeated. They beat Oklahoma state that year. They, they tied Penn state. So they only had one tie. They were 18, 0 and one and they were expected to be the dark horse to win the nationals. And they had five returning all Americans on that squad and all 10 wrestlers qualified for the Nationals. Wow, wow. They were in a position to win it. Yeah. Guess what happened? Not one fucking wrestler made All-American. <laughs> it was, it wow. was the I worst card I... that they ever had. It was crazy that that happened. But, uh, you know, yeah. it, was, it, it was their one opportunity to be on the national scale and uh, prove themselves. And unfortunately, it didn't happen.
2: But, you know, what? the very next year, John, I think, Clarion, didn't you guys have three national champions, including yourself?
0: Uh, no, that, that would have been in 1972, Jerry. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, I'm, only, I'm, only, I'm only a decade off. You know? <laughs> that was Wade Chalice and Don and, and Elbow Simpson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, no, no, they, they've only had, let's see, if you're not counting, counting multiple time champions, like one person being multiple time, uh, there's only been five national champions at Clarion. Uh it was uh Don Roan, Elbow Simpson, Wade Chalice, myself, and uh Shelton Thomas. El-
2: El- elbow guys. Simpson, I like that name, elbow. he huh? gave that
0: for elbows. I, I think his name's <laughs> Bill, but they called him elbows because he was pretty jacked. <laughs> yeah, he he was a real short 167 pounder. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: So, Kurt, what happened? You're, you're you're not a state champion when Oklahoma State's recruiting you, and then you come on to become this gold medalist years later. What, when did all of a sudden it start clicking for you? Uh, I'd say after I won the
0: state championships in high school in my senior year, uh, a couple months after uh, Oklahoma State talked to me. Um, after that, everything was downhill. I mean, uh, th- my senior year, I won the junior nationals uh, in freestyle wrestling, Uh, which uh, was another feather in my cap. And then I went to Clarion and I had a stellar career there. I mean, I, my sophomore year, I won the nationals. I won the NCAAs and uh, my junior year, I blew my knee out right before the nationals, but I still went and I took second. I lost to a guy named John Llewellyn. And, uh, that, that one really eats me alive to this day (laughs) because, uh, you know, I, I was expecting to have an undefeated streak and that one loss was right in the middle of it. And, uh, Unfortunately, I could have ended up with over hundred wins, hundred straight wins in my career if I wouldn't have lost in the finals of the NCAA's my junior year. But you know, I was injured and I did the best I could. And I think I was lucky to get second, to be honest with you.
2: I, I know I, I've watched the finals. The, the, the following year, you wrestled Sylvester Turkay Is that correct? In, in yeah, yeah. He was and John, John, John gun, you know, too. you know Sylvester. Sylvester what, six foot seven. I mean, the three hundred yeah. close to. Two eighty-five, he had to be, but you know, and off season, three hundred pounder easy. And here's Kurt, six foot, you know, what, two hundred and fifteen pounds. And I, Kurt, I actually, Kurt, <laughs> Kurt is brutalizing Sylvester Turkey. I mean, you're headbutting him in the chance. You just—it's okay. one of the
0: best matches I've ever seen. You wrestle. <laughs> and, and was. Well, I was a smart match. I, I was able to. I, I I used a lot of uh wit, even though I don't have much. But, <laughs> yeah, um, that's <not> for sure. <laughs> but you know what? I actually weighed one hundred ninety-eight, Jerry. Love. I weighed in uh, the night before the finals and I put all my clothes on because I didn't want Sylvester to know how small I was. Because <laughs> Sylvester was about 260 and he was ripped. Wow. I mean, he was shredded and uh, he was having an incredible tournament. He yeah. pinned five straight guys in an average of a minute each time and all the way up to the finals. And I had him in the finals, so he was having a red hot tournament. And what I did is I just kept it close and I ended up hitting him with my trademark duck under at the end of the match. And I ended up winning three to two. And uh so I didn't crush him, I didn't kill him, Jerry, like you said. You're I, you know? I wrestled him three times and I beat them all three times.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> that's that's my claim the same. <laughs> <laughs> so then when, what was the, how was the the chronology for going into the Olympics after that? After Clarion, when, when did the Olympics fall after after Clarion? Okay,
0: after the after Clarion, um I signed with uh, an exclusive contract with uh, the best Olympic wrestling club in the world called Team Fox Catcher. You might have seen the movie or the documentary about the club owner, the, the billionaire John D. Potty shot and murdered Dave Schultz. Um, so I I, I I signed with that club and I started training with the best wrestlers in the world, the best coaches in the world. But there were these two guys that I couldn't beat. Um, they kept beating me in the 1993 and 1994 World Team Trial Seasons. One of them was Mark Kerr, who was a pride fighting champion. And the other one's Mark Coleman, who was UFC champion. These guys were giving me problems for a while. And so after the 1994 season, I figured I'm never going to beat these guys. So I, I might as well just give it up. Uh, I, I was really down on myself. And I, I just felt like these two guys, as long as they're there, I'm not going to beat them. So I quit for about five months. And you know what? Every day it ate me alive. I kept thinking... What if I could have made the team? I, I'm never going to know unless I try. Let's just see this through to the end. And I knew I was going to regret it if I didn't try. So I came back, but I came back with a game plan. And I used Dan Gable's philosophy, uh, Jerry, exhaust training. That's when you train till you're exhausted. And that's when the training actually starts. It gives you a, impeccable conditioning. I mean, I wasn't the biggest or the fastest or the strongest or the most technical or the best wrestler in my weight class what I knew I could be is the most well-conditioned. I would wear my opponents down and score on them when they got tired. And it worked. I beat Mark Kerr. I beat Mark Coleman. I went undefeated my last two years wrestling. I won the world championships in 1995 and the Olympic gold medal in 1996. And uh, all this while Dave Schultz was um, shot and killed. So I lost my Olympic coach. I didn't have an Olympic coach the last six months of my career. But Dave taught me enough to know what I had to do from here on in. And then a couple months later at the US Open, I get thrown on my head and I break my neck and I don't even know it. And I keep wrestling. So and that, that was where the broken neck
2: come in was, uh, was the US Open then? It right, I never- I was at
0: the US Open, Good. yes. It was the first round of the Olympic trials. Uh, it was the US Open. And I uh, got thrown on my head. I was having a great tournament. I was in the semifinals and uh, I broke my neck and my arms went completely numb. My neck was in excruciating pain. And I, I pushed myself through the semifinals. And then I wrestled in the finals later on that day with my neck broken. And I won the finals. So I won the first round of the Olympic trials with my neck broken. And I went back home the next day and I went to a doctor and he took an MRI of my neck and he told me I had four broken vertebrae in my neck and two discs sticking directly in my spinal cord. And he said, you're done wrestling. You can't wrestle anymore. And I was devastated. And I thought, you know what? Uh, I I have to do something. I I, I knew I, me being stubborn, and a person that wouldn't give up, I went to another doctor to get a second opinion. And this doctor basically said the same thing. But he also said, hey, when is the next round of the Olympic trials? I said, six weeks. He said, you know what? I might be able to get you ready by then. I said, what's your plan, doc? He said, well, you're not going to be able to train much up until the trials. You have to let your neck rest and heal. But when you're at the Olympic trials, I'm going to have a doctor travel with you. And what he's going to do is he's going to stick you with 12 shots of Novocaine all throughout your neck so you won't feel the pain and you'll forget (laughs) your neck is broken and you'll rest the more freely and he said are you okay with that and I said yeah and then the doc said but I'm gonna warn you an hour after your matches are over you're gonna be in excruciating pain from the abuse your neck takes during these matches he said are you okay with this and I said yes let's do it and you know what I did it and I won the Olympic trials Olympic gold medal and I did it with a broken freaking neck.
1: <laughs> that's that's it's not a true. doctor. That's not a doctor, that's a hookup. <laughs> yes, it
0: is. yes, it is. I couldn't believe it. John, you know, no, hearing this doctor, you can't do that today. Could you no, imagine uh, a doctor saying, no, hey, you're right, your neck's you broken, I'm gonna stick it 12 different shots and Nova game. Uh, it was crazy, but back then, you know, liabilities were a lot, you
1: know. On the low down, there wasn't a lot of liabilities, a lot of people suing people. Did you ever talk to Kerr or Coleman after that? Because before they, 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 they could beat you and they come back with this new mindset and you're they can't, <laughs> and they can't beat you. Did you. Have you talked to them since then about that, that progression? No, but the rumor
0: was they thought I was on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> because I transformed my body. What I did is uh, back then, that's when Metarex got really popular. And uh, so I was kind of a little chubby in college. I, I wasn't really built that well. And uh, so I started drinking this Metarex three times a day and, ha- and supplementing my meals, uh, tw- two more meals during the day. And it really transformed my body. I mean, I went from being like kind of chunky to looking pretty damn good. And uh, so everybody's like, he's taking steroids. Something's going on with that. And, uh, you know, you can't do that because you, you're you getting tested by the Olympic Committee every, every six months. So, you know, I passed every test and, but, but they, that was the rumor that they thought I was taking steroids.
2: Well, was testing pretty, pretty hard back in those days,
0: Kurt? Yeah. Yeah. They tested a lot, man. They, uh, me, uh, it was supposed to be random testing. They were doing me almost every other month. I mean, they, <laughs> they were hard on me and I'm not sure if it had to do with maybe one of the coaches thinking I was taking steroids or whatever, but it was, it was, uh, it was really there were a lot of tests I was taking uh, that I passed.
2: Yeah, let, let's go back to Foxcatcher. After after Schultz got got uh, got killed by by uh, DePatie, that was your coach. That was your main mentor. That was the guy that you went to. Who did who did you kind of lean on after after Schultz was passed away? Who who, <laughs> who, who, who did you lean on that? I love-
0: you know what? Um, I I really enjoyed um, a coach. His name was Eric Bur- Bruce Burnett. Bruce yeah, Burnett. Bruce, yeah. He was a USA wrestling coach, right. and uh, I really enjoyed his coaching, and uh, so I kind of started making him my, my mentor. Uh, you know, he he was obviously part of USA wrestling, and but but he also has to be impartial to everybody. He can't just favor me over Mark Kerr because he's coaching both of us. You know, because he's a USA wrestling coach. So you know, I, I I definitely used him as my mentor, and he did help me out a lot, but. He also helped out a lot of other people.
1: Kurt, could you explain the the program Dan Gable had that you had work to exhaustion and then that's when your workout starts? Yeah. You know what, what what you do is you, all right, what
0: Dan Gable does, he has you do these conditioning drills where you're, you're running, you're doing, a, uh, you're going to do twenty hundred yard hill sprints and you're not going to stop. You're going to run up and jog down, run up, jog down. And uh, after that, then you're going to do 10 with a guy on your back. You run up, jog down. Then he gets you get on his back. He runs up. So we, we did that. Then we would get on the airdyne and we would do uh, one-minute sprints and then we would uh, tread for one minute. And then we'd do one-minute sprints and tread for one minute. And then we had to go on a five-mile run. Oh and we had to do interval sprints in between. Then we'd go to the practice room. We'd be exhausted. And he'd have us wrestle for an hour straight. Wrestle live for an hour straight. Uh, you, I'll tell you this. Our day off, our day off was this. He said, listen, today all we're going to do is one match. A college wrestling match. And a college wrestling match is usually 3-2-2. Three, two, two. three minutes, two minutes, two minutes. The first period three, the seconds two, the thirds two. And uh, so we're wrestling. We're going, you know, we're all going hard because we think we're only going to go for seven minutes. And I'm wrestling my ass off, and 15 minutes goes by, and I'm like, what's going <laughs> on? Why is he not blowing the whistle? And the wrestler said, just keep going. He was a kid from Iowa, so he knew Dan Gable pretty well. So we get done. After about 30 minutes, we get done. He blows the whistle. And someone says, hey, Gable, I thought you said we're going to do one college match. He said, yeah, we're going to do a college match, but it's not going to be 3 2 It's going to be 30-20-20. <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> that was our day off I mean it was fucking ridiculous man but I learned a lot from Dan Gable and uh also another coach named Jim Miller um he was also a coach for Augsburg College in Iowa he uh he blew uh he made a bunch of records he had a bunch of records for Division III coaching Divi- Divi- 10, Divi- 10, three coaching
2: division 10th straight national titles for him I believe
0: yes yes exactly right Jerry he I I listened His book is freaking awesome. Yeah, do it anyway. I have that book. I have that book. Do it anyway. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? That's the whole philosophy behind him. Doesn't matter how you feel, do it anyway. Doesn't matter how tall you are, do it anyway. It's like, if you're unsure of yourself, doesn't matter, do it anyway. And you know what? His wrestlers... They were so well-conditioned. They were winning nationals left and right. I mean, these guys were wearing their opponents down. And that that's what I kind of did in, when, in my Olympic wrestling. And um, I learned a lot from these two coaches. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we thought I you left us <laughs>
2: already. I thought
1: you got mad at Jerry, which I wouldn't have blamed you if you did. <laughs> The abuse
2: I take on these shows, Kurt. Is and and
1: Kurt, every single week, Jerry and I have done this every single week for almost two years, and every week I can't get his video to work. Like, How does this work? Uh, Jerry, it's the exact same way it's worked the last 104 straight weeks.
0: <laughs> you know what? That's because he's an old bastard. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you, Kurt. Thank you he very doesn't much. want to learn technology, man. He just much as no. stay as is. No. Yeah.
1: <laughs> The best thing we do, Kurt, is get a bunch of old wrestlers on here who used to rotary dial telephones trying to get on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Tim White got Terry, so fun, you know I- what?
0: You would love my house. I have a rotary phone here. There you go. I you know how,
2: I know how to use it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: actually, actually I came along with the old uh, push buttons, you know. The rotary is right before me. I had jacks, Jack's Jack's next here. I came along with the, the princess phone, you know. <laughs> but anyway, Kurt, you know, yeah, Coach Miller, what what a fantastic guy. I have the opportunity of working with him up at the Gable Museum now. He's director up there now. You know what,
0: <laughs> Jerry, I went up there and I visited him two months ago and he was there. Yeah, yeah. I met up with him. Yeah, we I was supposed to that. be there, remember? Huh?
2: I was supposed to be there, remember?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were doing that Hidden Treasures. Yeah. You were supposed to be there. Yeah, it was WWE Hidden Treasures. Uh, we went up there to um, uh, grab a. Uh, we wanted to get a, a, an Olympic uh, um, photo of me that was displayed on the Hall of Fame. Right. But so. we had to trade them photos in order to take that photo. Yeah, where they wanted a replacement. Right. But uh, I also did WWE Hidden Treasures, where I uh, I tracked down my milk truck that I sprayed oh, down. Wow. some yeah. yeah. wow! And It was awesome. We offered this guy 60 grand for his truck, and he said no. No. It was crazy, man. So not everybody agrees to give away their stuff, man. Some people say no. What was he using it for? Was he using it for milk trucks still? You know what's crazy? All right, When I did that on the the episode of Raw, that truck became famous (laughs) (laughs) because it was used on, on WWE television. So they started using it for all these parades, and this truck became the famous <laughs> film truck that was on Raw with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kurt Angle. So uh, the guy grew really attached to it, and so do the people <laughs> in the community. So yeah. they use it for six parades a year, and he didn't want to give it up. Hell,
2: for hey. sixty grand, I would have gone and got bought an old one. You know, said. Just- there's that's right. I don't see
0: a photo Oh, listen, this thing is on its last leg, too, man. It wasn't worth even close to six. It was yeah. worth about
1: five. <laughs> hey, Kurt, one of the best pictures of us uh, was me, you, and Stone Cold, and and uh, Ron, and Edge, and Matt Hardy, and a bunch of guys on the plane. And if, if drinking we, the milk, I think yeah, the milk, yeah, yeah, the milk. I think I just we, posted we, that. That's right. How, okay. how did that
2: photo come about, Kurt?
1: Well, we're going I'm sorry, to Canada. How did what We're going to Canada. It was a charter flight. We're going from Canada, I think, to like Minnesota or, or somewhere. We come to the States. And I think they had just announced that they were bombing Osama bin Laden, you know, after 9-11. So we had a Obama-Osama party on the plane. <laughs> they just announced it. And we went to take a picture. And Kurt goes, wait a minute. We got to drink milk. So they're like, no. <laughs> So you know what? Dinner. They all did it, though. They That's all that, put
0: milk in their hands and held it up. I was like, holy shit, man. I can't believe I made them do this. It was, was great. Crazy. We had to get
1: every milk carton off the plane. There were literally like four or five <laughs> milk
0: cartons.
1: Uh, so all these beer drinkers from the Attitude Era are are sitting there with milk <laughs> cartons, toast and <toasting laughs> Kurt Angle.
0: Hey, never happened, never will happen again.
1: Never happened <laughs> before, <laughs> and never will happen again. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That was the best. So it it, was. when you when you when you go into the Olympics now you, you you're shooting up every single match. Did you, did you think you're going to make it through to the finals? Uh you know I took it one match at a time. I know that sounds
0: you know typical, but I, I did. I, I I was just grateful to be there,
1: and uh, I, well, when I just. I say, felt are it, you it, think you're going to make it through? Did you think your neck was going to make it through?
0: Um. You know what? It was getting better. Uh, you have to remember, I still I had another month after the world teams or the uh, the Olympic trials. I had another month before the Olympics was coming up. So I had another month to rest my neck and heal it, even though I kind of messed it up again in the uh, Olympic trials. But it was healed almost completely by the time I rested the Olympics. It still was bothering me and I had a lot of pain. So I had to have the injections done still. But it, it was on its way to mending. And I wasn't entirely healed. But, yeah, you know, the crazy thing is I, I really wrestled with a broken neck. I really wrestled in the Olympic trials and the Olympics with a broken neck. Kurt, Kurt, I,
2: this, Kurt the thing about it, all, all the Europeans, as, as we know, they love to not only beat Americans in wrestling, but they love to hurt Americans in wrestling. Oh, and yeah. sure. Surely the the word had gotten out that Kurt Angle got a broken freaking neck, and let's take advantage of it. Were there ever were there any of those guys that really targeted your neck? And if so, how did
0: they do it? You know what? Nobody no back then there was no internet or anything right. like that. So not much anyway. And then no no social media. Uh, but um the they, they didn't really know, but there was a wrestler that did know. And uh what happened was I called USA Wrestling about a month before the trials. I said, listen, I'm not gonna be ready. I need I need the uh, what's it called when you uh when you uh do a petition you do a petition to push back your Olympic trials so uh, a wrestler back in uh you remember Brandy Lewis Jerry right yeah from Iowa okay he was injured so he couldn't wrestle uh for at the Olympic trials in 1984. so they pushed it back a couple months for him so he wrestled Leroy Smith for right. the for the Olympic team okay so I was in the same position. So I, I called USA Wrestling and I asked Bruce Burnett, I said, hey, I my neck's not going to be healed by then. I need to push this back, the Olympic trials back uh, to where I can wrestle when when I'm healed. And he said, I'm going to deny you. you. You have to be ready by the Olympic trials. I was like, holy shit. All right. So Coach was the uh,
2: final stop in that. They didn't have a committee or anything at that time?
0: You know what? He he had the final say, and he said, you're not going to get the extra time. Whether, I don't know if he, you know, didn't want favor me or he was favoring somebody else. I don't know. But at the Olympic trials, I wrestled Dan Gable in the finals of the trials. And the first thing he did was he jumped on my head and started jerking my head down, uh, up and down, because he knew my neck was messed up. And uh, we started throwing punches and now got into a fist fight. And um, the referee work. said, Listen, if you guys keep doing this, I'm going to send the third guy, the third place guy to the Olympics. <laughs> so you guys have to stop fighting. So I was like, Okay, he knows my next messed up. He's going to go after it. You know what? This might help. This might work to my advantage. So every time he'd go in to grab my head, I would shoot off. him and take him down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it actually backfired on him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he if he would have picked up, uh, during the match at least the first two takedowns you know and said okay you know what I have to stop worrying about his neck now I think he would have done better but he just kept going for it and I kept shooting right when he would go for my neck I'd shoot at his legs and I would take him down I ended up beating him seven nothing one match and five nothing the next match and I, that that's how I made the Olympic team but he's the one that was really going for my neck wow yeah
1: and then, but you had to be excited you know it's pretty cool to have the olympics in your home country
0: you know, oh my gosh it's such an advantage it really is you don't have to worry about time differences and being able to sleep you know you fly over to japan it's a 12-hour difference so you know they're yeah. when you're in the middle of the day they're sleeping at night you know so if you fly over there you have to get adjusted i uh, i didn't have to worry about that and also 60% of the fans are from the United States that were at the Olympics cheering for me. So it is definitely an advantage. It definitely helps you out.
1: Was there anybody in the Olympics that you were particularly worried about going into it? Yeah. Yeah. Abish
0: the the Iranian, he won the world championships in 1993 and what happened was when he won the world's, he got tested positive for something. And uh, they ended up um, uh, suspending him for two years and he was the best wrestler in the world in any weight class he was the most dominating wrestler this guy was so good and so in 1995 1994 1995 he wasn't allowed to wrestle so he came back in 1996 for the olympics and he went up a weight class he was at 198 he went up to my weight class at 220 i was like oh shit i gotta have a in my weight class so he's having this great tournament he's just Russian people. He, he actually beat the eight-time World Olympic champion Larry Hebelov from Russia. He beat him eight to one in the semifinals. Wow, I mean, wow. he just dominated them. And uh I got in the finals with Abbas and I was like, I just need to keep it close, you know, and try to get him tired. Uh, you know, my game plan was to wear him down and get him tired. And you know what? Um the match was pretty even. It was dead even, to be honest that with you. Honest. And the the only reason why I won, I believe. Is because I took a shot at the end, and I took him down, and he was on his butt, and uh, I had his legs, and one referee gave me a point, and the other two didn't give me a point yet, and the match ended, and we ended up in a tie, and I think the referee said, listen, he had that takedown. It should be two to one. You might as well give the match the angle, so I was fortunate that I shot that last shot. If I wouldn't have done that, I don't think I would have won.
2: Yeah, I, I, I remember that. Uh, you you shot in on him, and and then of, of course the entire country thought you had to had to had to point for the yeah, taking there because the guy I was sitting right kill. on his right on his butt, and you you had his leg. you had complete control. Uh, what what and what kind of it had to be a, uh, something go through your mind when you didn't get that point, you know that? Well, and, and you know time time was, Tom, Tom, was was running out too at that time, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. What I was scared about was. A lot of guys would take him down, and they would uh, climb up to, around to his back, right, right, and him up. he would he would elevate them and expose them for two points. And John in freestyle, if you expose your back to Matt, even if you don't have control of him, it's two points against you if your Matt back gets exposed. So he was doing this to everybody. He's flipping them over and scoring points. So I didn't want to go up because I knew that he was really dangerous if I went up around his back he would flop me over, get the two points and win the match. So I stayed down and I just stayed there and said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, just hang out here and hope that the referees give me the match. This guy had had
2: an incredible strength too uh, when when he was doing that. Right. I mean, his strength. Yeah. Yeah. You
0: know what? He, he was, he was the strongest guy I've ever wrestled. Um, He didn't look like it either. I mean, he was, he was six foot two, you know, 225 pounds wasn't Wasn't that big, but um, he he was super strong and he was so good at technique. He was uh, by far the most technical wrestler I've ever wrestled. Yeah.
2: yeah. So so you won the gold medal there, and you're very emotional. You have your family and and in the stands there. I, I remember saying that you ran over to your mom, your, your your family over there, and what what a great moment for the USA wrestling, and what a great moment for Kurt Angle.
0: Yeah, you know what? That, that, that's what it was all about. You know, my family, uh, they were there since day one. Uh, they always supported me. I will tell you this. I have wrestled probably 1,000 matches in my career. By the way, I just want to tell you, my nephew has wrestled 2,500. And uh, he, he's actually way better than I am, to be honest with you. Uh, but um, I wrestled probably 1,000 matches in my career. And uh, wait, wait, what what were we just talking about? I lost my... The the emotion
2: emotion of wanting to go with your family there.
0: Yeah, you know what my family... and, And the crazy thing is, they have seen every single one of my matches. Whether I traveled across the country or I even went over to France and my mom came over with me with USA Wrestling, I mean, my family was always loyal to me, and they they never missed anything. I had my family there all the time. I didn't have to worry about support. I knew they were going to be there for me, and they were going to back me up. My brothers, now, in the Olympics, there's security everywhere. You can't get down to the training facility that's behind the bleachers uh, before you go out to wrestle. So I'm back there, and I'm warming up. And my brothers always, they always wanted to see me before the match, slap me in the face, get me all fired up. And uh, they always found their way down there. I don't know how they got through security, but, you know, I don't know if they paid somebody or what. But, you know, they get down there, they would fire me up, slap me around, beat me up, you know, get me all mad. Like, they wanted me to get angry at them so that I got angry at my opponent. And uh, it worked really well. <laughs> you know, when your brothers are slapping you in the face, you're like, why are you doing this? You know, it's just <laughs> crazy. Kurt,
2: Kurt, Kurt the, the the pain at you in your neck had to be just incredible after after it wore down that night. But the, the elation of winning the gold medal in, in in the United States. And how how was your neck immediately after after your? your you medal? know what,
0: Jerry? I was such an a euphor- euphoric state. Um, I didn't feel my neck for two days. Wow. <laughs> I was I was on such a high that I couldn't feel anything, no pain in my body. I wasn't even sore from the Olympics and I wrestled five matches. Uh, It was, I just, you know, my, I was just so fired up about winning. Uh, But two days later, I was like, Oh God. Okay. When, when my emotions came down, my neck started really hurting and I realized, you know, I have a lot of damage to it and that's why I didn't continue wrestling. That's why I decided to quit and uh, retire. And uh, and then the WWE calls and, uh, and I, I that's another story. <laughs> yeah,
2: that, that's episode two here. But so uh <laughs> so, so take take us here. You just won the Olympics with a broken friggin neck, and and you know, you you have, you feel no pain at night, but two days later, all of a sudden that hit you. What was what, what, what was your career plans at that time, Kirk? Because I know WWE was not in, in 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 the game plan at that time.
0: No, WWE offered me a multi-million dollar deal. I'm not gonna lie to you, it was a great deal. Right. And I brought it back to my agent, who was a former amateur wrestler that played pro football. His name was Ralph Sindrich. He um, he's, uh, he was the top NFL agent at the time uh, for the NFL. He's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So he was my agent. And I brought it back to him, and he looked at it. And he says, you're not doing this crap. It's fake. You're the real deal. He goes, I'll get you a job. Don't worry. I'm like, what kind of job are you going to get me? <laughs> <A> million dollars. <laughs> a million dollars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And you know what? He did get me a job. I, I, I became a sportscaster caster for Fox 53 in Pittsburgh. And I sucked. <laughs> so I listen, it was a startup station and I had no rehearsing. They had me just go in and and I was I was um my first night on the air, uh I was uh the weekend sports anchor and it was called the Angle on Sports. And so I'm running in to the uh to the um um what do you call it? where the where the desk is and everything? The studio. I'm running in the studio. What do you call uh, that? <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I run into the producer and the scripts go flying in the air and they're all out of order. And he grabs them, and he's like, Here, just sit down and read the teleprompter. <laughs> so I sit down and I'm looking at I'm looking at the teleprompter at the camera, and uh it says, Okay, time for the angle on sports. <laughs> and uh and I'm, I have a, the guy in my ear, the producer's in my ear. I have an earpiece in, and I, there's nothing on there. It's, it went blank. So it, 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 the bulb burned out. So it went blank, and the producer's like, Kurt, say something. Say anything. <laughs> just just say something. And I remember the first thing was uh, Duquesne basketball. And I said, Duquesne basketball played tonight. Let's go to the highlights. So I went to the highlights. I didn't know their names. I'm like, there's number 24 with the layup. And so then the next sport, I had to guess what the next sport was. I was like, okay, uh, the next sport is football. Let's go to the highlights. It was golf. (laughs) The whole eight minutes, it was out of order. I I had the worst uh, commentary session in the history of sports commentary. Okay, this this was a complete mess. And uh, I remember I had the the weather lady and the news lady next to me and the scripts were everywhere. It looked like we just had sex because we're trying to Uh run through the scripts and try to read the right
1: things. And it just wasn't working. It was the worst eight minutes of my life. (laughs) You know, the thing is you would be great at it now, but any of us back then before you're trained, before you have done a million different interviews, no one's any good. It's no, no, I sucked, man. I didn't want to be in front of the camera. I was scared to death, man.
0: I'll tell you this: When WLB signed me, I was really nervous about getting in front of camera. I thought, you know what? I'll, I'll just wrestle. These guys just have me wrestle because I didn't want to do the other stuff. I know Vince, can't it. Vince, Vince put me out there. He said, "You're gonna fucking sink or swim," but I'm gonna throw you out there, and you, you're we're gonna we're gonna do a lot of shit with you. And I was
1: like, Vince, I don't want to do a lot of shit. I just <laughs> I, I, I just know, I wrestle. Know. I know we gotta go because you have family obligations, which is great. But the, the you with the little cowboy hat and Stone Cold to me <laughs> is still one of the great. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking this is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, and this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> it was so you know, good. You know what's cool about like, it. Uh, and Bradshaw, you could
0: you could understand this because you're a pro football player. Um when you're a when you're a world-class athlete, okay, Jerry, you know this too. You were all American in college, you and your brothers wrestled. By the way, I don't know how you ended up being a pro wrestler back then. Because I know how hard it was for me to enter pro wrestling, because the whole amateur wrestling community was pissed off at me.
2: They so hated the you. You had to be a
0: lot worse. Oh, they, they hated a lot us. Worse <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: yeah, we're dark. So what was I talking about? The the cowboy hat. Okay, the cowboy hat. I, you know, I just thought, you know, I, I would just wrestle, but Vince wanted me to do all these funny things, and, you know, it didn't really hurt me as a wrestler, I think because of my background, like you, Bradshaw, you were a pro football player, they know you're a badass, and I also know you've been in a lot of fights in your life, so, um, <laughs> you know, you're a badass in that state, too, but... You know, the fans, They, I could do that kind of stuff because I was still a badass in real life. So I was able to exploit yeah. myself a little bit and have fun. Not, and I think they appreciated and, it more. You know, they appreciated it more. they more did. Fun. Because oh, they're like, hey, this badass is actually pretty funny, you know? Yeah. So pretty entertaining. With, and I, you know what? Back then, I, I had so much fun wrestling back then. Uh, I couldn't wait. Every week, I was like a little kid in a candy store. I couldn't wait to see what I was going to do next. And the writers were, you know, Brian Gwartz and all the writers, Dave Lagana, they they were writing some great material for me. And it was really cool. Uh, I was really excited. Um, But uh, once I started getting injured and I got a hook on the painkillers, killers, that's when the fun started to end.
2: (laughs) Well, well, Kurt, Kurt, we know you got to go, but you got to tell this last story. And then uh, then before we do an episode two of your WWE day, but. When, when you first came to WWE, you had a tendency to wear gold medals a lot. Okay, <laughs> okay, so
1: I'm right a bad person, Sorry. Jerry. Jerry, you're okay. a bad person. Listen, all right,
0: I think, Bradshaw, you already know this, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, Vince McMahon's, like, telling me, and Jerry was in there. Vince McMahon's telling me, listen, I want you to have as many gold medals as you can. Go home and find all the gold medals that you won when you were a kid, even the little ones. And he goes, I want you to wear these when you're at the arena. I want you to wear them uh, all day long. So I go home. I grab these medals. I put them on. I go, I'm, I'm at the arena. And Vince is like, that looks great. So Jerry comes up to me and says, hey, uh, Vince wants you to wear those everywhere. I said, what do you mean everywhere? He goes, outside. Go Go the, when you go to your home, wear the medals. Stay in character. Go to the airport. When you check in at the airport, you have your gold medals on. When you go to the restaurant, have your gold medals on. He wants you to be in character all the time. So I'm doing this for a fucking week. And I end up coming, I end up going to Raw. And I'm walking in the building the same time as Vince. And I said, Hey Vince. He says, Hey Kurt. He goes, What are you doing with your medals on? I said, Well, Jerry Jerry told me you said that you want me to wear them everywhere. He goes, no, (laughs) Jerry's an asshole. He (laughs) said, "You only have to wear him at the arena." Bitch, call me an asshole. I I can't believe it. Uh, It was the it was the worst rib I've ever (laughs) had on me. (laughs) Jerry, I'm wearing these twenty five medals everywhere. (laughs)
2: He walking oh, around yeah. all hopped over like that with all these damn medals on. He's got a broken neck. He doesn't need to be wearing all those medals.
0: You're such a bad person, Jerry. <laughs> he is, man. That, that is unforgivable.
2: <laughs> well, Carl, we're going to let you go, but on air here, you got to agree to part two of your WWE, WWE. We will do
0: part two, Jerry. Probably, right, probably in less than two years. <laughs> <laughs> I hope <so.
1: laughs> Probably, said <laughs> we won't we won't screw up the time this time.
0: All right, all right, Bradshaw, you were a little slow today. You're right. I was, yeah, yeah I, I was.
1: Yeah. He, I
2: didn't know about He's him. a damn what you know? Texan. What do you expect, Kurt? You did. You, you, you work with Stone Cold all your careers. They're they damn Texans, man. They just don't all have it together like we do, you know. So
1: yeah, I keep saying you're a little slow because you're from Texas, <laughs> <laughs> coming from an Okie. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kirk, man, yeah. it's a
2: pleasure having you on here, man. What, it, 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 you just bring a smile to everybody's face because you're such a good person, man, and, Thank and you. such a wonderful talent. We can't wait till part two here. And, and, and go get your children, man. Enjoy, enjoy the rest of your day here. Yep. Well, uh, hey,
0: all hey, I I love you, you guys. Love Always you guys. Love seeing you. All right. Take care, guys.